All right, praise God. Man, a little flood of people came in on both sides. Maybe I should pray again. Man, I was like all over the place, all at once. Praise God. Good to see you guys. Uh, take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'll probably just have a couple more messages or so. I don't know how many on, on the, uh, the Set the Captives Free campaign that we're working on, uh, where we're going to be hitting the streets and sharing the gospel in various ways. We're excited about that. We'll keep you abreast of what's going on there. Uh, but I've been doing some of that on Sundays. I did a lot of those in my home group. For those that you're part of our home group, we had a really great time going through a lot of scripture together and people sharing scripture. It was really great. Uh, but I wanted to tie this particular message into 1 Timothy chapter 4. When I was really kind of getting ready to go into verses 6 and following, but because uh, we've been going through 1 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to do one more uh, lesson in verses 4 and 5. And since we've already kind of talked about verses 1 through 5 quite a bit, uh, not really verses 4 and 5 quite as much, I'm going to kind of use those as kind of a kickoff to get into a broader subject, uh, basically, on creation. And it won't be so much evidences for creation. There's all kinds of evidences for creation. And usually if I do a message on creation, I'll talk a lot about the evidences of creation. But I want to talk to you about the importance of the doctrine of creation. And how important it is when you are witnessing, when you are sharing the gospel with people. But it kind of ties into what verses 4 and 5 say. So let's pick 1 Timothy up. And in 1 Timothy 4, Paul warns that uh, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit speaks explicitly or expressly that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, he says in verse 1, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. He talks about how these men will be liars who have seared their consciences with a hot iron. They have no consciences. They're, they're psychopathic. They're sociopathic. They're, they, have, they have no sense of right or wrong. They're bent on evil, and uh, they're bent on preying on people. And they're false teachers. And he says, because of these folks, he says, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, right? Doctrines of demons. And some of their doctrines, he underscores two of their false doctrines. He mentions that they'll teach that, that you have to abstain from marriage. They'll come against marriage, the institution of marriage. Uh, which, by the way, has suffered a lot lately, you know. We've seen some of the woke movements uh, put as part of their underscored, some of the highlights of their movements is the destruction of, we're calling for the end of the nuclear family, right? Crowley called marriage an insidious institution and the family public enemy number one. Also, we see that these doctrines of demons would entail um, the doctrine where you're not allowed to eat certain foods. King James says meats. King, the Greek actually mentions just, you know, uh, verse 3 says men will forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. So we're supposed to share not only be able to eat different types of food, but gratefully share those foods, amen, with hearts of thanksgiving. And you have a lot of New Agers teaching you can't eat meat, you know, veganism. And if you're a vegan or you're a vegetarian, I got something to say to you. No, I'm just kidding. That's fine. <laughs> Some of my best friends are vegetarians, you know, but that's true. But, uh, but if, you, if you teach it for a doctrinal reason, that God is against eating meat, then it becomes a doctrine of demons. If you say, hey, I don't want to eat meat because... It's just not good for you, I think, or just the way meat is processed today, or whatever your reason may be. That's fine, but as soon as you start making a religious teaching, Paul calls it a doctrine of demons, right? A lot of the New Agers 
you know, are against eating meat, you know. They don't realize. A lot of people, do you know when you clap your hands? you know how many things you kill every time you clap your hand? Come on now. And you know how many times when you, you have fields of different types of food, how many, you know, creatures you kill and harvesting that food and planting that food and a lot of death, a lot more death going on sometimes. With and I love, I'm, I love fruits and vegetables. So I'm not again, I'm not preaching against anybody. I think it's all good, amen. But a good ribeye once in a while, man, come on now, you know, nice and marbled, you know. I've eaten a lot more tri-tip than ribeye because I call tri-tip poor man's steak, but or it's been called, but I think it's great. Uh, but look what he says in verse four: for everything created, everything what? Man, that's a nasty word today. People don't want to think that we're created, you know, because the implications of a creation means there's a creator. It means you have to be accountable to him. Or maybe there's something, some answers you've got to give at the end, or you've got to stand before him. Well, you certainly do. Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed man once to die, it says, but after this, a judgment. Of course, people don't want to face God in judgment, so they want to imagine there's no creator when the evidence is shouted out every day through all of creation. You could deny it. You can deny gravity and jump off a building. You can keep denying all the way till you splat on the ground, but it's still real, okay? Just as God is real. And Mark, I don't know what you're thinking about gravity, but man, that, was, that thing just went down, but you still got your, your cat-like reflexes. That's good. His thermos was going down right as we were talking about gravity. It's kind of funny. For everything, everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. There's that, there that word gratitude is again, right? Twice now, verse 3 and verse 4, we see the word gratitude or thanksgiving, depending on translation. We're supposed to be thankful. And it's creating, and it's nothing to be rejected if it's received with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving with gratitude. I feel so sorry for atheists on, for so many reasons. Before I was a Christian, I was kind of an agnostic slash atheist. I kind of wavered between the two. And, you know, and one, one atheist said Thanksgiving is tough because he has no one to thanks, thank, you know. And it's interesting because in verse 4 it says everything was created by, created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. Verse 5, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. And prayer. How is it sanctified by the word of God? Well, God's word sanctifies or lets us know, sets apart food for our eating. Genesis 1.29, the very first chapter of Genesis and God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, so, you shall, so it shall be for you for food. That's beautiful. Genesis chapter 9, verse 3. Every moving thing that lives shall be for food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. I like that because he covers everything there. Fruits, vegetables, meat. You know, you can have it all. Amen? But it's sanctified by God's word. He says, states in his word that this food is for us to eat. Amen? Now, the creation has fallen right now, so something that could be poisonous, you got to be careful, right? But for religious reasons, you say, oh, you can't eat that cow, or you, know, you can't eat cattle, or you can't eat this, or you can't eat that. And I'm not going to get all into that because we kind of talked about that a bit. I, talk, I want to talk more about the general subject of creation. These things are created for us. But the fact that there is a creator. And I want to tie this into our, uh, what we're doing right now in this next month or so, uh, into August actually, uh, with the Set Free campaign, right? 
we're going to get a bunch of tracks out. We're going to get video. The video is almost done. Josh is back there working on this right now, but he'll be pretty soon working on the video. Uh, that will have a QR code in the tracks. We're going to try to pat, we're going to try to get a track to as many houses, maybe every house. Well, we're going to try. We're going to see what we could do. Good Fight's going to help out a lot as well financially and get as many tracks out as we can to, uh, you know, hopefully every house in Simi Valley. But if not every house, almost every house. A gospel track with a QR code where they can watch the accompanying video. And we hit a lot of houses with bags filled with, you know, goodies uh, for different age groups. Little kids have a wagon with, you know, all kinds of cool things. And uh, people be tripping out when we knock on the door, you know. It's pretty cool. Uh, people are used to saying, people come to the door wanting something, right? We'll be knocking the door and say, hey, we have a gift for you. What? No strings attached, you know. What? Really? What's the gig? Yeah, no, see, we love you. Oh, we'll share the gospel with them, give them a track, or, or tell them all about Jesus, you know. But uh, we're going to do some really cool things. But it's interesting. One of the things I want to talk to you about is one of the things that's very, very, very important these days is under, understanding, undermining, or under, understand that the undermining of creation is taking place by the enemy left and right. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.11, for we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. And one of his devices is to deny creation. And I think that that is so critical that we understand. Now, I could quote Antony Flew, who was the top atheist for 30 years in the world debating the issue, who before he died wrote a book on how he became a creationist, a believer in creation, right? The world's, I think the subtitle is something like the world's most notorious, how the world's most notorious atheist became a believer in God. And uh, I could quote you, you know, we could go through all of this, a lot of the statistics, a lot of the DNA, a lot of these different things. There was just an interview, interview uh, by Meyer, you know, he's one of the leaders at the Discovery Institute on creation. He was just interviewed by Joe Rogan. I don't advocate Joe Rogan. He can be incredibly filthy and dirty and perverse in his language. But I was happy to see that uh, Meyer got on that program and gave evidence for creation as a leading, one of the leading physicists uh, who's a creationist in the world right now and saying, and, and, and he's like, I know my views. It might sound strange to you. And Joe Rogan's like, no, you just sound like you're a really smart guy. And there's a lot of evidence, so much evidence for creation you guys. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this particular message getting into the evidences, right? We've done that and we'll continue to do that here and there. But I want to talk to you more why do we emphasize why the doctrine of creation is so important and why it's so important when you're witnessing, why it's so important when you're sharing the gospel. It's so important when you share the gospel, especially with somebody who doesn't believe in a creator, who's an atheist, or maybe believes in some form of, you know, in, is agnostic and believes there's something more powerful because that becomes obvious to most people, but they don't know what it is and, and they really don't want to follow the Lord, is to talk about creation. So this is more about the importance of creation. And I hope by the time we get done with our session this evening that you'll leave here thinking, man, pfft. and you probably already think this, but you're even bolstered in this, that, wow, creation is such an important topic. That's why you always hear me return to it. Because if you can get rid of the creator, you basically can get rid of everything. Meaning, purpose, judgment, heaven, hell, you know, everything. Law, right, wrong, all goes out the window. It's huge subject matter. In fact, uh, 
when you don't have the creator, who are you thankful to ultimately? You can't be thankful. I'm thankful to the universe. You know what really ticks me off? I hear this so much now. Well, my prayers are going out to the universe. I just heard someone recently being interviewed, something they got, I forget what exactly it was even, but it was in the news. And the person's like, the universe just, the universe had me in the right place at the right time. And I'm like, the universe. Like the universe, like you mean like impersonal forces that don't care about you at all? That have no, you know, it's just ridiculous. But that's, way of, that's a way that in the new spirituality, that's the way people can somehow be thankful without being accountable to a personal being. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what's going on there. Because everybody knows, you know, they want to believe and know that there's something more. So there'll be meaning. There's some kind of transcendence in life. So there'll be purpose. But they don't want to be accountable to God. So they kind of make what I call the Gumby God. You just kind of form God in the image that you want him to be in. So you just kind of put him over here. And like a genie, you pull him out when you need him. Then you stick him back over there. You don't make him too personal. Maybe he's just the universe. And, well, we have a creator that created the universe. And one thing we know, based on God's word and based on the laws of physics, that the universe once did not exist. Time, space, and matter. The universe is made up of time and space and matter. By the way, in Genesis, the first chapter, time, space, and matter are all introduced. The heavens, the earth, right? Day one, day two, right? It was evening and morning, the first day, evening, time. Everything is just created right there from the very beginning. Space, time, and matter. But scientists now admit that the universe didn't exist at one time. And now it exists. And the universe is incredibly huge. There's so much power, not only just in our solar system, but in our galaxy, but in the universe, the known universe. We don't even know where it ends or how it ends. But we do know because of the, you know, the law of what? Cause and effect. That every effect has a greater what? Greater cause. So whoever the causes of the universe is greater, it's not some space entity. A space entity would simply be part of the universe, right? If there's some you know, alien on some planet. Oh, some aliens on this planet. No. If there's any aliens on those planets out there, and I do believe there's a lot of fallen angels that are demonic entities that pose as you know, visitors doing, you know, how come they're not all just, you know, everything's not just cool with these creatures, these entities. They're part of the creation. They're fallen angels. But let's, let's say there's some benign kind of, you know, neutral kind of, you know, aliens on some planet way, well, they, maybe they made the universe. No, they would be part of the universe. Do you understand that? There's someone who's got to be greater than the universe to make the universe. So why it's so important to stress the creator? Well, the Bible says in and this is important to understand, Psalm 14.1. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. It goes on to say, uh, they have corrupted themselves and become abominable in their devices. There is none that does goodness, you know. And it says, they go, so they could do their abominations. So people say there's no God because they want to do their abominations. Some guys just want to just have sex with every girl that they can find. Uh, some people just want to get drunk and slammed and not be accountable. Some people want to just, you know, do meth or, or do heroin or whatever. People are all over the place doing all kinds of things, but they don't want to be accountable. And we need to recognize that that was us, too, before we were saved. We weren't accountable to God, were we? And we needed, we needed the Creator, amen? So be patient with people because that was us, and love people and pray for them and, and, and pray that God gives you heart for the lost, of course. But it says in Romans 1, verse 18, that... The invisible attributes of God, even his divine nature, are clearly seen through the things that he's made. 
That's what it says in Romans 1, 18 through 20. Well, it goes on to say right before that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because God has revealed it in them. So this is something that's very important for you to know and keep in mind when you are witnessing. When it says the fool says at heart there is no God, it's not talking about the word fool in the context of like a court gesture. It's talking about somebody who is morally corrupt. When you look at foolishness in the Bible, it's not talking about somebody that just says silly jokes. It's talking about someone who is morally, spiritually bankrupt. When you go through the book of Proverbs and it talks about the righteous man in contrast with the fool, the fool is constantly hot-tempered, you know, violent, a drunkard, you know, a womanizer, all these wicked things. And that's why the fool in his heart says there's no God because he doesn't want to be accountable to God. So in Romans 1, when it says God's made himself obvious through his creation, that he's understood through the things that are made, it says that God has revealed this reality in them, in their hearts. So it's important to understand this. When you are witnessing to somebody, they already know deep down in their hearts that there's a creator. That's what God's word says. Now, they may have buried it really deep. They may have done a whole lot of you know, rationalizing to, to try to explain God away. But guess what? Their conscience knocks in their hearts. They know there's good and evil deep down. Now, they may have, as, Roman, as it says right here, 1 Timothy 4, have seared their consciences. So they don't respond to that, that, that meter that says, hey, you've, you're doing wrong. It's messed up. Or that was right. But this is what you need to understand. It says, this is in Romans 1, 18 through 20 and following. It says, they, their foolish hearts were darkened and they became unthankful. There that is again. They become unthankful. So I thought it's really interesting that Paul ties creation and be thankful for our food into what God's done for us. And then in Romans 1, those who deny the Creator are unthankful. It says God gives them over to what? Reprobate Reprobate minds. Amen. Amen. He gives them over to reprobate minds or the NASB, a depraved mind. It says men with men, homosexuality, women with women. It says they'll be filled with hate and all these inventors of evil without family love. There that is again. Remember all those things. That's all there in Romans 1. And that's in 2 Timothy 2. And many of you know 2 Timothy 2. warns that this would happen in the last days. It says, last days, perilous times will come, the King James, or terrible times will come. Men will be lovers of self, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, without what? Natural affection. Without storge. That's right, Mark. Without family love. Haters of those that do good. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of good. Have nothing to do with them, it says. Verse 12, it goes on to say, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will, be, will suffer persecution. Isn't that the truth? Verse 13 says, evil men will wax from bad to worse. It goes on and it's going to get even worse and worse. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, that in the last days, lawlessness will increase, love of many will grow cold. Now we're seeing that, aren't we? Lawlessness is increasing, the love of people are growing cold. How did we have this precipitous, uh, how did the United States so quickly fall into this, all this gender confusion and all, this conf- you know, all these you know, school shootings and mass shootings everywhere and all this chaos? Pretty simple, man. We booted God out of the school systems years ago. We him, you know, booted him out of the public discourse. You boot him out as much as you want of your public discourse. He's right here still, though. And he stands over all. Amen. But man, our nation has fallen big time. And now people don't fear God. I've used the illustration before. 
Would you rather go down a dark alley at 2 in the morning when you didn't know your car ran out of gas and you didn't know you led it to a dark alley and you're with your wife and a kid and you really see 10 people walking down the alley? alley? Would you rather these guys, these 10 people you rock, walk by, be gangbangers? Or would you rather find out that they just got out of a Bible study and they had a bunch of Bibles? <laughs> Come on, now be honest. Yeah, that's right. Ex-gangbangers with a bunch of Bibles. You'd much rather see a bunch of Bibles. Well, what if they're not Christians? What if they're Jehovah's Witnesses? Ooh, that's a lot of good witnessing you could do. You know? We're Mormons, right? So the thing is, obviously, what you believe does pertain to how you view life and how you view morality. Amen? Are you with me? Sometimes I'll ask people that question. Would you rather run into a bunch of people at that time? Give them that scenario because it affects you. Clay Bolden Harris with the biggest most you know, popular school shooting for so many years over in Columbine. I interviewed Cassie Bernal's dad. I flew to Colorado and interviewed her, interviewed him. He's in our 10-hour version of They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll, that interview. But these guys you know, said they were going to... We show pre-slaughter video with Clay Bolden Harris talking about, you know, they have shirts about natural selection. They were Darwinists. And they said that they were going to go after Christian kids with what would Jesus do bracelets on them. The media hid a lot of that. We show, we show the evidence of that. Because it's a big lie that's going on. But this is the important thing. When it comes to witnessing, when we're sharing the gospel, creation is a huge, important topic. How do I know this? Because, not only because of the emphasis in, in the scripture, but because when you look at uh, Paul witnessing throughout the book of Acts, when you see the apostles witnessing throughout the book of Acts, when you see them come across Jews they always typically go to the Scripture. It is written. Paul will use Messianic passages, and Peter will is in Acts 2 and so forth. Uh, they'll use the Old Testament Scripture. But you know when they're talking to the pagans who don't understand the Creator, who maybe they're polytheists, or you know, they believe in many gods, or just, you know what Paul will talk about? You know what they'll introduce? The Creator. They'll bring up creation over and over again in the book of Acts. The, the, the one who will judge all. Acts 17, they're in Athens, you know, elsewhere. Acts 14, God has not left himself without a witness. You know, throughout the book of Acts, they bring up the Creator often. And that shows me, you guys, you know, when you're dealing with somebody who already believes in God, you don't have to go and try to prove creation, amen? When you are with somebody who does not believe in God, who's been brainwashed by the government schools with our tax money, unfortunately, to disavow the Creator and deny Him, and say we're all a result of some kind of accidental cosmic burp and everything came out of nothingness, which is the most ridiculous thing you could ever posit. So unscientific. When you're talking to these folks, you praise God. You have God's already at work in them, by the way. Jesus enlightens the heart of everyone that comes in the world. God's given them a conscience. You have a lot going for you, amen. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You're praying, God, use me to your glory. Praise God. God, resurrect their consciences you know, and God, you've said you've already revealed yourself to them through your creation. And you say that they're suppressing the truth. And suppressing the Greek means to hold down. They're holding down the truth in their heart. And all you have to do is let, you know, not jack in the box pop out, but you need to let God pop out. <laughs> hey, guess what? You're holding God down. You know deep down there's a creator. Oh, thanks, bro. You just toss it back to gravity. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Amen. I'll try to take a drink in a minute, man. I think everybody says, every time somebody ever gives you water, you always take it, but you never take it. I get caught up in my message, but is my voice a little raspy? That's what's going on there, huh? 
It probably is. Am I spitting at you, bro? Be honest. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Praise God. So it's interesting. So it's interesting because now I want to talk to you why it's so important that we understand or why we emphasize the Creator. We've been talking about that, I know, but I think uh, I want to point some things out to you. This is a spiritual war. If I asked you what the most important doctrines in the Bible are, there's a lot of them. I mean, if I said, what's the most important doctrine in the Bible? Come on, I mean, when we're talking about the gospel and everything, I mean, when we think of the entire Bible, shout a couple things that you say should at least be in the top five. Trinity, someone said? God so loved the world, the nature of God, then you're talking about there, Mark. What's that? The cross? You know, how can we leave the cross out? The resurrection, the blood. I'm hearing all these things about the gospel. Justification. Justification. We're justified by grace through faith, that of ourselves, gift of God, made right with God through faith in Christ, not by our works. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All these are important. Did I, but somebody missed the C word. It's so important. It should be in the top five. What's that? Creation. Creation. Oh, Christ. Well, that's number one. Amen. <laughs> that's why I said top five. Creation is one of the most important Bible doctrines. In fact, if you get rid of creation, you get rid of everything. Everything you just mentioned is gone if there's no creator. Do you realize that? It's so foundational. And look at 1 Timothy 3. Back up a few verses to verse 15. 1 Timothy 3.15. Paul says, But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, and what? The pillar and support of what? The truth. Guess what the church is? A pillar in support of what? The truth. Do you notice that? It doesn't say a truth. So we don't just pick out a truth. It's a support and pillar of what? The truth. There's a definite article in the Greek before the word truth there. The truth. That's all of God's truth. All of his, all of his word. Amen? All of reality. The church should stand for the truth in every area. Amen? That, that speaks now to our worldview. As Christians, we have a worldview. Your worldview is how you view the world. And everybody has a worldview. And because you're, as a Christian, your worldview is, guess what? There's a creator. He made me in his image. He gave me a conscience. I have a sense of right and wrong. I know I'm going to stand before him. And because there's a creator, he's good, and he gives his law, and I've broken his law, and I need grace. I need Christ who died for me, and praise God I have his word. And he's given me history written in advance, so I can't deny his word. And praise God, I'm glad I don't have to deny his word because now I know I have a savior, and I can put my trust in him, amen? And so it's glorious. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But guess what? You take the creator out of the equation, you've just, just toppled everything. And that's why Satan goes after the creation account. The very first words in the Bible, in the beginning, God what? God created the heavens and the earth, amen? That's critical. The first two chapters of Genesis, the first two chapters of the Bible are critical, guys. The creation account. This is so important that we get how important this is. In fact, that's why Satan seeks to attack it. You know, Charles Darwin... You know what he said in a letter to a friend before he wrote Origin of the Species and the Descent of Man, denying the personal creator of the Bible? He said to his friend, what a book a devil's chaplain might write on the clumsy, wasteful, blundering, low, and horribly cruel works of nature. This is what he wrote to his friend. What a book a devil's chaplain might write on the clumsy, wasteful, blundering, low, and horribly cruel works of nature. 
In other words, man, a guy could work for the devil, man, and be the devil's chaplain. By the way, there was a guy who was called the devil's chaplain that was at the university that Darwin was at and was arrested more than once because he would come to the campus dressed up like a preacher and blaspheme God openly. And they called him, he got the nickname the devil's chaplain. He was thrown in prison because, because uh, blasphemy was a prison-worthy offense in those days. And he used that moniker, devil's chaplain, and said, what a devil's chaplain might write about the clumsy, you know, these things in nature that are cruel and so forth. Well, how could the devil use that? Well, the devil could point out, oh, look at some of these things in nature, you know, these parasites, why do they exist? And, and this in nature, and why is there suffering, and why is there evil, and da-da-da. Well, you have to, now, of course, to make it, get any mileage out of that, you have to ignore Satan's work from the beginning. You have to ignore Satan and sin and man's rebellion and the fall of man and the curse, amen? And you have to ignore that creation has fallen now, amen? And it's, there's been a mutation in nature. The Bible says in Genesis 3, thorns and thistles came up in fallen creation, amen? But you try to get the person's mind off of the fact that we are, the, that, that corruption in nature is a result of fallen angels and fallen humans, amen? And you say, oh, look, how come there's these things in nature that aren't perfect? And get people to ignore the fact that there's been a fall. And guess what? Darwin kind of wrote a little prophecy about himself, referring to himself as the devil's chaplain. Isn't that interesting? It gets even more interesting. And I've quoted this before, but a long time ago, when Darwin was reflecting on his theory, Darwinism, and its godless atheistic bankrupt this theory he said it's like confessing to a murder this theory it's like confessing to a murder Darwin said the murder of whom come on who's it the murder of the murder of God it's like confessing to a murder because he's playing the devil's chaplain and then in 1859, Origin of the Species was published. And you could go online. I've seen this letter several times online. I looked at it again today. August 8th, 1860, less than a year later. I can remember the date real easy because August 8th is my wife's birthday. On August 8th of 1860, he wrote a letter to Thomas Huxley. Thomas Huxley was called Darwin's Bulldog. Because Darwin was not a really good debater. And he was very sickly. And a lot of historians believe that a lot of his sicknesses were psychosomatic. Inflicted because of his own worries and concerns. And a lot of people believe because of his own doubts about his theory. And how the colossal evil effect it could have on humanity. He had a lot of really strange ailments, you know. And he didn't get out much. And many people believe he blamed God for the death of his daughter, and he refused to even go to her funeral. And he, in November of 59 is when, I think it was the 24th, was Origin of Species published. Less than a year later, August 8th of 1860, he writes to Thomas Huxley, who was his bulldog, and he talks all about how this message is getting out to people. And we're getting it out. And then this is how he ends the letter addressed to Thomas Huxley. He ends, P.S., 
my good and kind agent for the propagation of the gospel, i.e., the devil's gospel, ever yours, Charles Darwin. Come on now, folks. I've been trying to show you guys. You see our videos. They sold their souls for all those other videos. We're showing you we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rule of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in heavenly places. And do you think Charles Darwin ever felt there, knew there would be like a computer age and all these, his private discourses would be online? People would be seeing these things about the devil's chaplain? That was said in private. Confessing a murder? That was said in private. Thank you for propagating the gospel, i.e. the devil's gospel. That's said in private. But it's all out there now. It's spiritual, guys. There's a spiritual war. He was under the powers of the evil one. There's a lot more I could say about that as far as the occult influences on him and the other originator, a guy by the name of Wallace, who was into, and Darwin actually hurried to get his published because Wallace was getting ready to put his publication of, of, of you know, form of you know, evolutionary theory out at the same time. But Wallace believed he was being led by spirits. Isn't that interesting? So we have the truth, and as Christians, the church is supposed to be a pillar and support holding up the truth. Amen? And Jesus talked about two foundations, right? You build your house either on the sand. Remember the parable of the two foundations? The guy that builds his house on the sand versus the guy that builds his house on the rock? On, the st on rock? Well, guess what? We build our house on God's truth. His, the rock of his truth. And, part, and Genesis begins with the truth right away. There is a creator. Amen? So when you're witnessing to people, you might just use very simple things. You could go from very simple things, like you could just point out, if you're talking to somebody, just you know, point at creation. You just point out, if you see a painting, every painting needs a painter. You see a building, every building needs a builder. But the builder of all things is God. And deep down we know that. Or you could talk about DNA and how their, their DNA is code, right? It's, it, Bill Gates said that in our creation of computer code, there's nothing that approaches the code that's in the body, in the DNA. It's way beyond computer code. And nobody would say computer code is accidental. Amen? In fact, I've shared with you before, you, could send, you can uh, just stretch your DNA, the helix, four to six feet long, out literally <laughs> to the moon and back hundreds and hundreds of times in just your body, that information, it's all written. And it's functional information. It's just amazing. But you don't have to get into all that stuff. It depends on who you're talking to. You're praying for them. I like to point out very simple things that are really easy for get, people to get their brains out of. I just tell people, I just, I just use this recently. I go, what's the odds? I go, you wouldn't just have to happen, you know, and I use this. You've heard me use this before. But it's really powerful. You wouldn't just have, have to have some primate evolve how is that primate going to reproduce? He's going to have to evolve and have systems to absorb energy, right? And to emit energy, right? But he also has to reproduce. There's got to be a female. If it's a male, first of all, how in the world did he become a male? He's just evolved with sex organs and everything. Males, wow, that's pretty lucky. Oh, and the female happened to evolve right next to him. And they happen to be attracted to each other. Do you know how much goes into having a baby? Any of you ever look at the gestation, the whole, the whole process of, of, of a baby? Sperm and everything else. And then the, it's such a blow mind. But you don't just need a male and female human. You need a male and female of all these different species. Thousands of this for species. And you have male and female, right? And it just all happened. It's all evolved next to each other. Oh, but, but, come on, you guys. We know the gig's up. We know it's a joke. 
Well, why would anybody believe it? Because they don't want to the alternative. You have two alternatives. Either nothing made everything or God made everything. One's logical. One's impossible. Amen? Either nothing made everything because now scientists admit that the universe didn't exist at one time and the universe, they admit, didn't create itself. So you have nothing made everything or God made everything. Again, one's perfectly logical and one is perfectly impossible. In fact, I've quoted the, the top atheist of our day, Richard Dawkins, remember? He said, I would sound mad to ex- try to explain how everything came out of literally nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you would. That's why you don't even try. But you just act like it's true. So this is very important that we understand that these are foundational truths and creation is so important. So when I talk about top five doctrines, this, this is right up there, man with the other precious doctrines that we adhere to and that are so important. Uh, now, I'm not going to quote these. I have a lot of quotes that I've mined through the years from Darwin where he gets, he hates beautiful things sometimes. He says he looks at a peacock's feather and it makes him sick to his stomach because he'd see beautiful things in creation that just wrecked his theory and it made him sick. Because he realized, uh-oh, you know. And there's a lot of quotes I have like that from Darwin, which I thought, that just, there's things that you, why would anybody ever say such a thing of something so beautiful, you know? So uh, when you get rid of creation, now let's see, why would the enemy want to attack creation? Well, you get rid of God, number one, amen? You don't get rid of him, but in the imagination of the person you're deceiving, you get rid of the existence of God. And then we get rid of the existence of God, you get rid of the problem of evil. Because then there's no real evil in the world. Everything is just a result of fortuitous chances. You might talk about evil, you might talk about right and wrong, but you really can't believe in evil because everything is just a result of a big cosmic explosion out of nothingness. Uh, But Satan wants to get rid of the concept of evil because he doesn't want people to believe that they're part of the problem and that they need to be redeemed. The scriptures talk about, I mean, the scriptures, you lose the explanation with, by getting rid of the creator, you lose the explanation of evil and the fall of man. And then you get the hostility between Satan and humanity is gone. Uh, see, in Genesis, we see there was a problem when their sin came into the world. There's hostility between Satan and humanity. Uh, we women would experience pain in childbirth. The earth would be stubborn and yielding forth its fruitfulness, its vegetation. The vegetation would now contain thorns and thistles. The human race would be dying. All these are realities. Catastrophic events would take place. Demonic and diabolical experiences would take place. Mass shootings, wars, rumors of wars, wickedness, sin in economics, uh, you know, in power. Look at what's happening in the White House right now. Right? They just burned all the evidence for the cocaine. You ever hear of burning evidence before, you know, they've come to any kind of conclusion? What's that? I remember he's making jokes. I'd better be careful. Uh, but uh, economics, that's, that's, being, that, that's going on right now with Biden's son and everything and all the millions of dollars that they got and so forth, the Biden family. That's all in the courts. That's, they're going through Congress. I think it's before the Senate right now. 
details with two IRS agents. Oh, well, these IRS agents that are coming forth saying that this, they waited until the statute of limitations went out, so Biden Jr. can't get in trouble now. Uh, well, these guys must be conservative IRS agents. One's a gay Democrat. just says, I'm just following the evidence. I mean, it's truth. He just came out as a gay Democrat. But it's sad when you're in a country that's supposed to be based on constitutional law where there's three branches of government, right? You know, you got the judicial, you know, and executive and so forth. And they're supposed to hold each other accountable, but where the balances of justice are in favor of the, those in power. When you have a president that claims to stand for the rule of law. But you have to keep in mind, if you're an atheist, you really don't care deep down about the rule of law and right and law, wrong until it affects you. Somebody steals something from your home, then you're upset. Where's the justice in this world? Someone steals your car. That was so wrong. Well, how is it wrong? I mean, that's a bummer. Can't even say it's wrong because it gets rid of right and wrong. If there's no transcendent moral lawmaker, right, there's really no right and wrong. There's no morals. Uh, it destroys. The Bible says that God created us in his image. You lose, lose the value of humanity. It's okay, it's okay now to butcher millions and millions of kids. And this is what breaks my heart, because right now, when you see a lot of those who reject God, many liberals do, there's conservatives too that are atheists, and when they reject God, when I'm looking at what's going on in the liberal world right now, when you have almost 70 million babies or so killed in the womb, where's the love for babies? Oh, and now it's okay to just butcher babies and castrate them and just mutilate them, children? They're pushing, many of them are pushing wholesale to just be able to mutilate children because I think, you know, Bobby's supposed to be Betty, you know? I mean, sometimes, like Megan Fox, kid's two years old, she's dressing her boy like a girl. A few years now, she's dressing them all that way, you know? And I showed you the study in 1991 where they studied different mothers, over 50% of them, before, now you couldn't do a study like this, over 50% of them were considered borderline personality disorder the way they were treating their kids. Secular studies and Christian studies. And now they have studies on many of the kids that are caught up in all this. They have all kinds of problems too mentally. Autism and so forth. I mean, it's, it's really sad what's going on. And we need to, our hearts need to break for them and be praying for them. But we need to speak the truth to them. That there's a creator. Because you have all this gender confusion, all this gender dysphoria. But when you read the scripture, we're made in God's image, male and female. The two are to come together and to produce life. Amen. So you have all this confusion. So, you know, Darwinism leads to racism. Come on now. After Origin of Species, he wrote Descent of Man, and the subtitle was, the, you know, was you know, about the favored races. And he said the European races were so far beyond the ape compared to the African race. That's what Darwin wrote in Descent of... How horrific is that? And Hitler was a social Darwinist. He tried to play God. Mein Kampf, my struggle, his own evolutionary struggle. And he talked about the process of evolution. Think about this, guys. There's, it's, it's Karl Marx, man. I mean, right now, right now, Marxism is... What do you think is being taught over and over again by academic leaders throughout top universities? Yale, socialism, Marxism, Harvard. Yale and Harvard and Princeton... A lot of these schools were Christian universities. I've told you that. I've, I've quoted their statements of faith when they started. 
Not anymore. BLM, man. They called for the end of the nuclear family and, they, and the leaders were into witchcraft and, call, and they were trained, they said, in Marxism. Well, it's interesting because I know when I was in the occult before I became a Christian, I was channeling demons. Guess what Marx was doing? Same thing, but he didn't repent. This is from his poem, Human Pride, Karl Marx. Worlds I teach all mixed up into a devilish muddle. Thus anyone may think just what he chooses to think. With disdain I will throw my gauntlet full in the face of the world. He was angry at God. He was angry at the world. And see the collapse of this pygmy giant whose fall will not stifle my ardor. Then I will wander godlike and victorious through the ruins of the world. And giving my words an active force, I feel equal to the creator. That's Darwin. I'm sorry, that's uh, Marx. This is from, this is from this, his poem, The Fiddler. Till hearts bewitched, I, uh, till sense is real. Till hearts bewitched, till sense is real. With Satan, I have struck my deal. He chalks the signs, it beats time for me. I play the death march fast and free. Wow. Here's another one of his popular poems in the tragedy where he says, The world which bulks between me and the abyss, I will smash to pieces with my enduring curses. I'll throw my arms around its harsh reality. Embracing me, the world will dumbly pass away and then sink down to utter nothingness, perished with no existence. That would be really living. Wow. Nice guy. You know? He had angles. He had a, a really rich friend. We didn't work. He just sat around musing about bringing the world together as one under, Mark, under what eventually was called Marxism. Engels gave half his salary to the rich guy to Marx. Didn't even work, you know? So, but you get rid of everything, guys. You get rid of the goodness of God. You get rid of transcendent truth, objective reality. Uh, as I said, the basis for what's right and wrong, moral law, accountability. And it's so important to understand, guys, what this all leads to, because it's, attack, it's an attack on the gospel of Jesus Christ ultimately. Because Satan goes after the foundation. So if you can say there was death before the first humans died, Adam and Eve, and say, oh, well, just death. Death becomes like the Savior, right? All this, through all this death, finally we evolve. And if you have death long before the creation of man, then death is not the result of what? Sin. And if death is not the result of sin, man does not need a savior from sin. Are you with me? So by denying the creator and denying creation, you are attacking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, if our gospel is hid, it's hid because the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of those that believe not. Lest the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, whose image of God, should shine unto them. And he wants to blind people to their need for Jesus. So guess what's so popular today? Self-help books, right? And now Satan has every so brainwashed. Darwinism, the word evolution, is worked into every conversation. You can't watch a National Geographic or some nature program without hearing evolution over and over again. The word evolution. It's just mass brainwashing. And this started with a guy who said, you're right, they need a, there needs to be a devil's chaplain. And I'm like confessing murder. And thank you for propagating the devil's gospel. That's the guy. That's why that's here, guys. It's spiritual. It's demonic at its core. 
So that's why when we share the gospel, we need to share that there is a creator, okay? And they already know deep down it's true. And just find two or three points that you like to use. Pray. Say, Lord, show me different ways to share with different people in different ways because I share with people in different ways. I might share this with this person and that with that person. But you should know some apologetics, right? The Lord says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, we're just looking at 1 Timothy 4, 15, sorry, 1 Timothy 3, 15, which says that the church is a pillar in support of the truth. Amen? The truth. But 1 Peter 3, 15 says that we're supposed to be, be ready to always give an answer regarding the hope that we have in us. Amen? With gentleness and respect. Be gentle with people. Remember, we were lost. I try to remember, man, I was so lost. So I want to be really patient with people. I don't ridicule people. I ridicule the lies. Because I used to embrace them. I hate lies. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Amen? But you need to love the people. Jesus died for them. Amen? He wants them to be set free. So we share with them that there's a creator. But when he says to be ready, always give an answer for the hope that's in you. The word answer is the word apologia. Okay? Apologia. And, every, you know, people online, they're always like, how do you pronounce that word? It's very easy. I shouldn't say it's very easy because I like to pronounce it apologia. Because when I read it in the Greek, I see a gamma there. A gamma. And a gamma, ga, gamma, is a gus sound typically. It doesn't have the soft J sound like jam, G. It has a gus sound typically in Greek. So whenever I see apologia, I want to say apologia and not apologia. But everybody, even the scholars, will say often apologia. So we'll just say apologia, okay? You can have it either way, tomato, tomato. But it's easy to say, just think of apologize. Say, say apology. Say apology. Apology. Very easy. Apology. Apologia. Just say, ah, uh, then. Apologia. Okay, now you seem really smart, okay? Apologia. Okay. So you got the word apologia down. Just apology. Uh. But don't sound like, do you guys know about apology? Uh. Don't say it like that. Just say it. Apologetics. We call it apologetics. We don't say apologetics, so I get it. Apologia, apologetics. Apologia. Okay? So ap- ap- give an apologia, and the apologia is not apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. I'm going to make you feel bad by telling you're a sinner. That's not what you're doing, man. The apologetics is giving a defense. The Greek word is used in the first century for defense lawyers who gave a defense for somebody. Well, you're giving a defense for God's word, man. You're giving a defense for the resurrection of Christ, which is a lot of the context of 1 Peter. You're giving a defense saying, hey, there are eyewitnesses, man, that changed the world. These guys were huddled in mass, hiding behind closed doors after their Messiah was crucified. And what transformed them, man? The power of the Holy Spirit, amen? But also seeing the resurrected Christ, amen? So you have all these evidences. But you can mention creation and mention just a few points about creation. You know? And you know what's really cool? Did anybody ever see the movie Expelled? It's a really cool movie. It's not put on by Christians. It's put on by a Jewish guy. And uh, raise your hands if you saw Expelled. Oh, more than I thought. There's seven or eight people here. It was worth seeing because Richard Dawkins is being interviewed and he gets tripped up, man. He was so upset afterwards. Do you remember that? You, you saw that, Jeff, right? Where he's like asking him, well, what if you found enough evidence where there is a creator? You say it's because of DNA and everything that it's obvious there's a creator. What are you going to do? Something like that. And you know what he says? Well, he basically says, well, I still wouldn't believe in God. I would say it had to be some alien or something. That showed you exactly where he's at. He doesn't want there to be a God. He realized how embar- it was embarrassing to him. He says, oh, I was tricked in the interview, you know. 
And then in another interview, it was like 25 seconds or 20 or 25 seconds long, he actually turned it off. He got stumped because they said to him, can you give us an example of where there's mutations in the DNA? Because if you're going to become one creature and then you become a totally different creature later, that's going to have to be reflected in your DNA, the instructions from your DNA, right? Can you give us examples? Because what goes on with the DNA, your DNA, you lose information. Every generation we lose information. You don't gain a bunch of information, new information that's not in the human code already. So how do we become something else? So he was asked, uh, Dawkins was asked, can you give me an example? I think I played this clip like 10 years ago or something years ago. Can you give us an example where there's added information to the human genome? He's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Turn off the camera. I gave you the abbreviated answer, okay? It was longer. Guys, we have so much evidence going for us. You can use the DNA. You know, like I, I love using DNA evidence. But... You also want to make sure you share the hope that we have. Amen? We have an amazing hope. And in 1 Peter, that hope is a resurrected Christ. Amen? The gospel is the good news is, guess what? You want to get around to the fact that, guess what? There is a creator. We have our, his law written on our hearts. You can appeal to them and say, you have a sense of right and wrong, right? Can you imagine saying, no, I'm just pure evil? No, they're not going to say that. They'll just say, yeah. Yeah, you have a sense of right and wrong. Well, who, who gives you those laws? Who puts that in our heart? You just reason with them that there's a creator, but then you let them know the good news. We've all sinned. You might ask them, hey, have you ever told a lie? Yeah. Have you ever looked at a, a, somebody in the opposite sex or even the same sex these days, right? Had impure thoughts? Yeah. You ever take something that belonged to you? Yeah. You give them the good person test or whatever. Bring them under conviction and share with them that the Bible says the wage of sin is death. Amen. And all of sin comes short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And get to the gospel. Amen. And share the gospel with them. And that you need Jesus Christ. And he's risen from the dead. He conquered the grave. You can have eternal life. You don't have to be separated from God forever. But there is judgment. And you'll stand before God. It's man, man once to die. But after this is judgment. And I have to inform you that you're going to stand before God. If you don't have Christ and you don't accept what he did for you, you're going to be separated from him forever. But if you embrace Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you'll be saved. Your name will be written in the book of life. The Bible says the angels of God will rejoice. You give them the hope of Christ. Amen? And then you share the good news with them. But you have to have the foundation of the Creator. Oh, and there's really good news in regard to creation as well, right? Because guess what? First Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, talks about how God is going to bring a new creation Make a new heaven, it says, and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. Amen? And what's interesting, it's not just humans that benefit from what Christ did on the cross. Listen to what it says in Colossians chapter 1. It says, God, verse 19, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. In fact, Romans 8.21 says that through Christ, the whole creation is groaning to be, quote, liberated from its bondage of decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So there's going to be a new creation, amen? The thorns and thistles, no more thorns and thistles. It says even the briar trees, even the thorn bushes will bud. How does that happen? Because Jesus took the curse of the thorns and thistles on his head when he went to the cross, amen? He bore our curse for us so we could have eternal life and so all of creation could flourish in the future. But there will be a separation from the goat, the sheep, the wheat, and the chaff, Amen? 
So praise God, you guys. We need to keep in mind there is a wonderful creator. And when you share the gospel, I didn't get into evidence of creation so much. Threw a few things out there here and there. Didn't write down one evidence because I didn't want this message to be on the evidence of creation. But I gave you a lot of reasons as to why creation is a very important. Amen? And why this is not a negotiable doctrine as Christians. Amen? It's foundational. It's the word of God. Amen? The very first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? All right. Can we all please stand? Praise God. So if somebody asks you tomorrow, hey, why is the doctrine of creation so important? You might say, hey, you got a few minutes? Because it's very important. Amen? Okay.